since the last the last real the last year that we really had major widespread flooding was the summer of '93. Welcome to the 52nd episode of 41 Files. Lindsay Shively here in the podcast studio with Sam Hartle. Good morning. 52 episodes. 52. That's, uh, uh, well, it's it's 52. It's more than... <laughs> I was going to make a joke about the internet, uh, which turned 30 yesterday. Right. Um, so we're, we have more episodes than years that the internet has been around. <laughs> that's something. And almost coming up in a year, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of our downloaders, listeners, thank you so much. Uh, we're sitting here in the podcast studio on a very rainy day, a very rainy week, and that could be potentially causing some problems. Yeah. yeah. But thankfully, we have experts in that. Meteorologist Jeff Penner also in the podcast Hello. studio. Hello. How are you? I'm Hi, here. Jeff. Hi. This is interesting, especially yes. after the snowy winter we've had. Right. Why could this be an issue? Well, there's several things. Uh, we have this river flooding potential and uh, a couple of things. One, regardless of the weather pattern, um, you can have river flooding issues, especially at the end of winter and early spring, for a couple of reasons. One, you can have uh, ice flow or jams on rivers that can dam it up or make it flow over in spots. Also, the ground uh, can be frozen. Is usually frozen in colder winters, and so when you get these late March or April rain, it's falling on frozen ground, and the ground, the water does not, you know, uh, absorb. The ground does not absorb right. the water, right. and so it can run off, and so you can get more flooding into the rivers. And so, because um, you don't normally get enough rain at the end of winter, early spring, to cause what they call flash flooding. There's two different things. Flash flooding is a rapid. Uh, rise in water either on the road or in creeks due to an extreme amount of rain in a short amount of time. River flooding, and there's a lot of river flood warnings, are longer-term, slower-evolving situations. So if you get, doesn't have to rain in Kansas or Missouri, but it can rain upstream in Nebraska or Iowa or South Dakota, North Dakota, where the river, Missouri River originates, it can rain up there and flow down the river, but it takes a few days for that to happen. And so my point is, is that at the end of winter and early spring, regardless of how active the weather pattern is, you can be susceptible to river flooding because you've had snow, the ground is frozen, and any rain, you know, half to one inch just runs right off. Mm. And so it can cause a problem. But a half to one inch of rain is not enough to cause flash flooding where you're like, oh, my gosh, there's a rapid rise in water. That comes later in the spring and summer when you have these torrential rainfall events, one, two inches of rain per hour. That's flash flooding. So that can happen in a year. This year, though, is interesting because, as we know, it's been active, very active winter. Yes. and um, no, Not just here, but across the entire Midwest. In the, mm-hmm. entire, in the entire country. I mean, there has been, it has been beyond crazy. Las Vegas, first measurable right, snow. Right, um, Phoenix had something going on, too. Right? Yeah, there's been, and there's just been, from coast to coast and border to border, has been non- stop. And here in Kansas City, we've had close to 30 inches of snow. And we've had many, many winters where we've had 30 inches of snow. Right. What's different about this is it's not the snow. Because these storm systems, we've had snow. Then it rains. Then there's sleet. And then it rains. And then it snows. Right. I mean, one precipitation event after the other every two or three days. And so it's been a very active weather pattern. And here at 41 Action News, we have exclusive technology to look into the long range. It's called the LRC, 
Lezak's recurring cycle. And Gary talks about it all the time. And we use it all the time. The pattern sets up in October and November, Mm. uniquely every year. And then it begins cycling. And it continues through the winter, through the spring, into the summer, and then through September. And then a new pattern sets up in October. So the pattern that's set up here in October will continue through September of 2019. And uh, it's an active weather pattern. And the pattern started, I don't know if anybody remembers, but the pattern started around the 5th of October, between the 5th and 10th of October here in Kansas City and over much of Kansas and Oklahoma, Texas, eastern Nebraska and Iowa, there were 10 to 15 inches of rain we had in those five or six days with the new weather pattern, a tremendous amount of rain. And that was followed up by the coldest November ever, was followed up by our having us the second snowiest November ever, which is precipitation. And here we are sitting at 30 inches of snow. And we had all that rain in October because it was still, you know, just out of summer. So you can still get really heavy rain events. Yeah. And then since then, you know, you've had more typical, you can't, it's hard to get three, four, five inches of rain in the cold season. The colder air doesn't hold as much water. It's very hard to get that much water. But um, we're in this active weather pattern. So this year we have these river flood warnings, which you often see in March or in early April coming out of the winter. This year might be different because usually they disappear. As you go into spring and summer, the pattern gets hotter, you get drier days, there's not enough rain to cause those problems. This year might be different. And uh, we definitely, using the LRC, have some concerns that uh, what we've started here with the river flooding may become more of a problem long-term through the spring and summer because the pattern continues to cycle. And it's not going to snow in June or July, but right. you're going to get these storms. We systems. hope. We hope it's not. Oh we, we we hope not, uh, and that would be very unusual. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, it, it could continue. We get these storms every few days, and all of a sudden, these one to two inch rain events or half to one inch become one to two, and they become two to three, and then you guess start getting them every few days. They pile on top of each other, on, and there's no chance to dry out. Um, yeah, it's muddy right now, mm-hmm. and it's been, you know, oh. not that rainy yet this oh. week. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, you go out, go in your backyard right now, it's yeah. like a swamp. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's just squishing under your feet. It's crazy. So, Jeff, I was going to ask you, uh, Tom Dempsey reported on this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with what local officials are doing. They're already watching river levels. Platte River expected to crest mm-hmm. on Thursday. And then, of course, the streams that are the usual suspects we're checking out for. Everybody who's lived here for a while remembers 1993. How does this compare the setup and, you know, where we are now? How does it compare to then? You've been looking at that, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, very interesting because the last time the Midwest had widespread river, widespread flooding. Because a couple years ago, Indian Creek flooded three times that summer at 103rd and Warren. It was a big mess. That was a flash flood. Those were a couple nights where uh, we had five to ten inches of rain in four hours. That was a flash flood. And... Ironically, that summer, there was drought conditions all around us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there was no river flooding because everywhere else was dry. So, And then there had been a couple years in the 2000s like that. But 1993, the summer of 93, uh, was the last time that it was a problem. I remember flying from Chicago to Kansas City in August of 93, and Iowa 
look like an ocean. I mean, when right. the sun is glistening off Iowa because it's all water, it was just – I wish I had a cell phone back then because it would have been an amazing picture. I just cannot get – I cannot believe what I had seen. And that's because the Missouri, the Mississippi, the Kansas River, they all flooded, and a lot of them flowed out of their banks, broke levees, and it caused major flooding. And what happened was an active pattern set up in October of 92 – and began cycling all the way through the spring and the summer. And the major flooding didn't occur until you got into June and July of 1993. But it's the same pattern that's set up in the winter. That year, we had 35 inches of snow here in Kansas City. Really? Very similar. Uh, and uh, we had, although this year, I think we've had more events. I think those were, we had bigger storms, fewer but of fewer them. of them. This time we've had a whole bunch of storms. So wait, are you thinking we could be in store for something of that magnitude? It, the chance is there. It, it, to predict oh. that this far in advance is, uh, even using the LRC, is hard to say because that year what ended up happening is you ended up having these nightly 5 to 10-inch rain events that not just occurred near 103rd and Warnell, but over the eastern half of Iowa one night, then Nebraska, and then it would sag into Kansas and in Missouri, and it was just every single night. And you throw 8 to 10 inches of rain over half a state every night in some other part of the state, the rivers just can't handle it. And so it just, it's just that is too much. And this pattern and that pattern, they're different, they're unique, but there are similarities. And kind of interesting, I went back and looked at the records of how much rain we had here in Kansas City from October of 92, when the pattern set up, to March of 93. And we had 15.73 inches of rain that season here in Kansas City, rain and melted snow in that time period. This year, we've had 20.4 inches. Now, 11 of that came in October, but that counts. You got to count it. That's mm-hmm. part of the pattern. Man. And the rain in October that we had wiped out. Remember, we were in a drought last summer. Mm-hmm. It wiped out the drought in 10 days. We were in a moderate to severe drought. Then the pattern changed, and the drought was over with in two weeks. And Because it wasn't just here. It was everywhere. So when you look at October and you go, wow, that's an anomaly. You had 11 inches of rain. Sometimes you get those, and it's a localized situation where it's just Kansas City. So you can't really say it's the pattern. But as I told you... It was 10 to 15 inches of rain from Texas to Nebraska and Iowa was a big feature. It was, a, it was something that you have to look at when you know the LRC and go, okay, this, this means something. This is, this is a big deal. This is a big feature. And so, you know, uh, it's been going on. I mean, that was not only a big feature, but it's been an indication of what we've been dealing with. So, yes, we do have concerns that um, I, would say, I would say this year that uh, – there is a much higher chance of river flooding and problems than a drought. I don't think there's any chance of a drought this summer. So, in terms of the timing, and then you know, if you're if you're a viewer or somebody who who lives in the area, what are some things that you can kind of use as yardsticks to measure, um, you know, the rest of this month uh, in in April and May that you can say are kind of barometers of hey, we might still be on the track of a repeat of of two thousand or of nineteen ninety three. Well, you can look at. Um, uh, the number of flood watches, the number of flash flood watches that are coming out, the uh, prime example, a prime example is a great question. This storm that we're in now, there is a flood watch from western Kansas 
into Nebraska and Iowa with this storm. That not only is extremely rare out there, but for this time of year is even more rare. So when you when the weather service is thinking that there's a chance of flooding in these areas, they'll issue these flood watches. Or, or there's a flood watch, which is a longer-term deal, or flash flood watch, which means short-term. And if you're going to have a pattern like 93, we had flash floods and floods. The West Bottoms flooded. That was oh. long-term. It was a mess. And um, But then you get stuff like Brush Creek in 1977. That's a flash flood but or world. But the what can a viewer look at is the – well, they'll know every day, every few days we're talking about another storm. It's, it's not just here. It would be everywhere. Everywhere. Right? everywhere. You know, not just, not just, oh, hey, there's a chance of thunderstorms, eastern Kansas, western Missouri, and then five days later it's up in Nebraska. You're talking about a storm that's, you know, much bigger – the uh, in, in geographical size and frequency as well. And not every storm hits everywhere every three days, but you keep getting these situations. And then, you know, these kind of things, it begins to feed off of itself because you keep mm. getting the rain, the water's in the ground, it evaporates, there's more water, to, there's more moisture to work with, so the storms are juiced up anyway. So it starts, that's what happened in 93. There was wow. so much water everywhere that these storms were, you know, and, you know were being... They were heavy. They were heavy. They were being juiced up, yeah, because it was feeding off of itself until the pattern changed. I have the same mental image you just talked about with the plane over Iowa. I grew up in Liberty, par- grandparents in Independence. Mm-hmm. We'd drive up 291, and you're not far from the river at all. I and mean, I was a child, and that was the first distinct notion I had that, oh, Liberty is on a hill. Because we'd go down the hill, and then 291 looked like it was in the middle of a lake all mm-hmm. the way to the river through all these farm fields for what felt like, I mean, miles Miles, and you would see pictures of levees breaking from St. Louis to, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, and the, the Missouri River just flowing over and out into these farms and literally just rushing out because, you know, the, we couldn't contain, you know, the levees just didn't contain the amount of water. And that was an extreme case. Uh, I think 1951 was another one here in Kansas City. Uh, so this is something we're going to watch for. We're not saying, yes, it's going to happen, but the right. conditions are favorable for that kind of a situation. That was really the last year that we had, and so that was that 26 years ago. Yeah. So it's definitely something that, uh, you know, shouldn't happen 26 years later, but we're in a pattern that, that's going to possibly do it. And as I said, here we are in the middle of March with a flood watch in western Kansas. That's an arid place. Uh, from October to uh, the end of March in places like Dodge City and Goodland, they average like an inch and a half of rain. That's all they average in those six months. They're just dry places. You're talking about a flood watch. They had a you know, blizzard, and now they're having rain. That's just an indicator. And, and you're getting rain all the way into the eastern plains of Colorado with the storm we're in now. Just an indication that, you know, you, you just, you, there are signs that this could happen. But, you know, it, it takes continue, It takes something extreme to turn it into 93. But <laughs> the, the, the setup is there. Well, we're going to have to keep a very close eye on it. Jeff, thank you. You're welcome. Next, joining us on the podcast, we have the diligent reporter from 41 Action News covering the airport, KCI, twists and turns, all of it, Kat Reed on the phone. Hi, Kat. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you. I, thanks for diligent. That was a nice way to put it. I think some people find it a little uh, overwhelming at times, the amount of airport coverage. <laughs> Speaking of... Kat, you have a dog, Rosie. How does Rosie uh, think about all your airport coverage? (laughs) Well, you know, Rosie's pretty upset that she hasn't been able to fly. 
out of KCI because she's still working towards her um, support animal certification. <laughs> Unfortunately, since Rosie attacks other female dogs, I don't know oh, no. how well she's going to do. <laughs> Rosie. Sweet Rosie. Sweet Rosie. But she follows every twist and turn. She watches all my stories with me. I love that. I mean, I can't believe that we have a groundbreaking date, March 25th, right, Kat? Yep, that's it. I know. It seemed for a long time like we would never see this day, but uh, we have. And we've also seen a, a deputy aviation director tweet out a picture of the crane that's waiting on site um, to knock down Terminal A. And I've also seen a lot of people on Twitter suggesting it'd be great if everyone could just show up with a sledgehammer and really take their frustrations out on Terminal A and any concerns about the project. Just, you know, get it out. Go out there. It's been a winding road for Kansas City, that's for sure. Okay, Kat, what's the latest behind the scenes to get people caught up? Yeah, so the latest behind the scenes is um, earlier this month. Well, I guess actually it was towards the end of February. Let me check my dates because all of my days run together. But um, I believe it was towards the end of February we passed the development agreement and also the community workforce agreement, all of these various uh, agreements, including the airline's term sheet, that kind of just set the groundwork for how the project is, you know, built and how the project, who's paying for it, all of those things. And so once those passed, that really allowed Edgemore and the aviation department to go ahead and set a groundbreaking and move forward since the airline's um, had signed on officially at that point. The airlines are still working out the details of their use and lease agreement, which is a, a more expanded version of the term sheet uh, with just kind of some more specifics. And then also, as we get ready for the groundbreaking, they're still working on some of the bonding issues. So how exactly work is paid for in the short term and in the long term out uh, at the new KCI. And the the potential to maybe change the master bond ordinance came with some controversy, right? It did. So one thing, they would have to make a slight change to the master bond ordinance for these bonds that they they want to sell to help build the terminal. And the reason why that's controversial is that Burns and McDonald, you know, the so-called hometown team, they were kicked out of the procurement process because it was said that their proposal didn't conform to the master bond ordinance, which the master bond ordinance, you know, the way that the city, uh, the aviation finance folks kind of described it, it's like uh, the playbook city when it comes to bonding. So this kind of, you know, document that lays out how the process works. And so they would be made, they kicked out from McDonald's, they said it didn't comply with the master bond ordinance, but now they're making a change to it. Uh, we reached out to Burns McDonald to see how they felt about that. They didn't have a comment at this time, but council members definitely didn't mince about this. Uh, we have Councilman, well, Mayor Pertin, Scott Wagner, very strongly opposed to the change. Councilwoman Teresa Moore, and then Councilman um, Quinton Lucas, all opposed to making the change. Now, the city's bond council argues that you know, this change they're making doesn't change the underlying structure. And, you know, it doesn't concern the same thing as why they kicked out Burns and McDonald. But um, Scott Wagner, the way he put it is, 
I feel like you're saying, you know, you could be a little bit sick or a lot sick, but either way you're sick, you know, you're changing the master bond ordinance. So hopefully that makes it a little bit easier to understand. I know it's kind of hard with all of this lingo and jargon. Has any of this changed the uh, the timeline? Uh, I think it's early 2023 now in terms of uh, if you wanted to fly from a new terminal at KCI? Yep, still set for the first quarter of 2023. So we'll have to see if once ground is actually broken, if we start having uh, some changes to that timeline. Speaking of things happening in the spring or early parts of the year, Kat, I know that you've been one of our reporters covering the mayoral campaign. A couple of the council members that you just mentioned um, going through the master bond ordinance um, are also running for mayor. Is there any indication that this issue has trickled down um, and has kind of formed opinions and sides as it relates to the mayor's race, uh, which the primary is coming up next month? Absolutely. I think every almost every forum you go to, the new KCI is a topic of discussion and a place when candidates really kind of throw shade at the current administration for how things have gone. I haven't heard anyone who I've talked to, any of the interviews I've done with candidates, no one has said, this has been a great process. I love how this has gone. So, so far, I've spoken with uh, Quentin Lucas, Phil Glenn, Steve Miller, um, Scott Wagner, and then who is my number five? The days just run together. Oh, Alicia <laughs> Kennedy. So I've talked to those five, and then I have Clay Chastain next week. Everyone has said that they've been troubled by the lack of transparency thus far, that they would have done things differently, and that they'll kind of be very diligently looking, if they're mayor, to keep things on track, on time, on budget, and also to ensure that all of the you know benefits to the community, especially minority and women-owned businesses, all of those benefits continue um, to happen and, and actually become a reality. So it is an issue that people are talking about a lot. Of course, I think that it's a major project, but I think some candidates have trained their eye a little bit more on what's plaguing Kansas City right now, which is potholes. Uh, because, you know, while the airport is a huge, important project, I think what people are most concerned with right now is trying to dodge like the various holes on the road and make it to work and home every day. I can't remember which candidate was Cat, but I heard a pothole song written to the tune of, I believe, Johnny Cash on the radio last week. Hmm. Oh, boy. I don't know who that was, but I know Clay Chastain wrote a song about the airport, which I have not yet listened to. But maybe I'll get a live performance next week. I I would definitely tune in for that. Um, So we had a report yesterday on the Meyer Fountain. Um, There was a a piece of stone that came off, and it sounds like they'll be able to repair that um, in plenty of time for Fountain Day on April the 17th. Or 16th, I'm sorry. I love Fountain Day so much. It, it's like mm-hmm. a, a, a passing of the spring a little bit. It's like Absolutely. it's like opening if opening day wasn't quite warm warm enough for the Royals. Right. That's coming up in late March. Who knows what the weather will be? Um, obviously, as you heard earlier, Jeff thinks it might be wet. <laughs> uh, uh, but Fountain Day is the next uh, sign of spring. Um, but I, what I, the point to Cat's point about potholes. Uh, our reporter that covered that story yesterday, Andre Scudieres, um, said that as people were driving down Ward Parkway, they were trying to avoid potholes, so they may not have even seen. <laughs> The the damage yeah. to ah. to the the fountain and that kind of made 
perfect sense to me as somebody who uses Word Parkway sometimes uh, to get to Trader Joe's to where I see Lindsay all the time. But <laughs> Yes, it's a good spot. I use Word Parkway to get to Trader Joe's as well, but I'm lucky enough that my greatest hazard in commuting to work is walking and falling in a pothole if, mm. I, if I venture, if I try and cross the street. So I'm, I'm lucky in that way. Man, you see them tweet out the crews that are working on them, and they have filled this many thousands. I mean, they're working their tails week. off. It is wild. Mm-hmm. It is so crazy. Oh, we're thinking it about you, all those road crews out there. And now that it's finally warm enough for them to use the Little Better Mix, it's wet. It's raining all the time, yeah. Ah. I know. And I think I think the thing for the next mayor is, you know, in cities like Kansas City, when you have a climate like this, potholes are going to happen. I think that a lot of the mayoral candidates are focusing more on how do we prevent potholes from happening in the first place rather than, like, how do we address the mess we have right now. And so um, I think you'll hear a lot about kind of deferred maintenance and the importance of prioritizing that uh, when it comes to infrastructure. So again, it's just potholes matter a lot and they matter more to the average person than the airport, frankly, because you're using roads every single day to get to work and flying out of the airport maybe once a month. Unless you are a big traveler. I think we talked a little bit of this when the gas tax was on the ballot. It's not that it's any more or less important, but it is something that you face daily. So it's top of mind. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Kat, thank you so much. We'll look forward to your next airport update. Thanks, guys. So, Lindsay, one of the other things that uh, I forgot to mention is a sure sign of spring is Kansas City's St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yes. Have you ever been? I've never been to the one in Midtown. We, we That's like the one, though. That is the one. It's huge. It's awesome. You know, I've been for work. I take that back. I've been, you know, like live on the side streets in a green dress for 41 Action News Midday. Now, well, I see you in Brookside for Snake Saturday. For Snake Saturday. Um, it's the warm-up parade in Brookside. R- right. Absolutely. And by warming up, I... It may not necessarily be temperature-related. Hey, no, no, no. Yeah, right, yeah. It's the big warm-up for all this. Yes, I love the Brookside Parade, and I grew up in the Northland, so Snake Saturday mm-hmm. in North Kansas City mm-hmm. is, like, so fun. I don't know if you know this, Sam. One year, my little brother, who has darling red hair, won the Little Lad Contest and got oh, really? the ride in Snake Saturday. Mm-hmm. So it's a Shively family tradition. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the weather during the St. Patrick's Day Parade, the big one on Midtown, um, I've been once, and it was—no, twice now— Incredible experience. Yeah. The trick is to leave before uh, Westport becomes over overwhelmed with. Uh, with Where do you uh, park? With drunk. You just, well, this is when I lived on the plaza, so I was able to walk there. Yeah. Um, or now I would probably park here at the station and then walk over there, something like that, <laughs> or take a bird. Um, take a bird. That's right. Or a lime, if they're back yet. I'm not sure if they're. I've seen them around. I feel like they a lot of them disappeared in the in the nasty weather. Or they fell down because of the wind because they're not very not very stable. But and the wind. So anyway, uh, if you're going to the uh, the big St. Patrick's Day parade, uh, be safe. But uh, if you aren't, um, consider it because it is actually a lot of fun. And I think the weather's supposed to be 50, 52. which is which has been warm, which is warm for what we've been so far this spring. But this is the best forecast because we. Uh it's like when we go to the parade by our house. This is the best forecast we've seen probably in three or four years for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been wild. Still, the trees are not ready for spring like they have been in a couple of years past. But it's a little muddy. Hey, say hi to Eric Stone Street on Sunday, the Grand Marshal of the parade. Are you guys going to have him in for uh, for due diligence anytime Wouldn't soon? Wouldn't that be great? Wonder what his thoughts are on the culinary scene of Kansas City. I don't know. I would I would have him on the fourth and one, but we already know he's a big Chiefs fan. Yeah, so that's that's undisputable. 
Uh, and then I guess the Screen in the Spot people could have him on about movies and entertainment stuff. He fits into all the podcasts, he actually. Does. You just have a round robin of Eric Stone Street. I love that he shows so much Casey love. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 41 Files. We'll see you next week. See you.